Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, we're talking about your four and twenty-one Detroit Pistons. Four and twenty-one. Ouch. Uh, ben Gulker and I have a guest to help us do that. Mark Schindler of Indy Cornrows and BasketballNews.com joins us to talk about Miles Turner trade possibilities, a Cade Cunningham, Karis Levert backcourt, and what Dwayne Casey is and isn't capable of. As always, we appreciate the continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. What's up, Ben? Hey, Laz. Good to be on the pod again this week. And uh, excited to be doing something a little bit different, given the way that this week of basketball went. So, uh, yeah, hoping to have some fun uh, over the next 45 minutes or so. No, absolutely. Uh you and I both really didn't feel like talking about losses to Oklahoma City, Washington, and New Orleans this week. So we got a guest. We got Mark Schindler of Andy Cornrows and a bunch of other stuff to talk about the Pacers. What's up, Mark? Uh, Laz, Ben. Not a not a whole ton. Uh, it's been a busy weekend. I guess it is. Yeah, Sunday now. Um, yeah, that, that kind of weekend. But uh, no, it's been good, man. I'm, uh, I'm psyched that you guys invited me on. I'm happy to be here. No, we're we're happy to have you. We're happy to have any distraction from actual <laughs> Pistons basketball. So this is good. Uh, but the reason we wanted to have you on, Mark, was because of obviously the reports uh, that came out this week surrounding uh, the Indiana Pacers and their desire to make some trades. Um, people expressed a lot of interest in Pacers players. So it's like, hey, let's get Mark on to talk about these guys. So, Mark, the biggest, I think the biggest domino right now is Miles Turner, right? Mm-hmm. It's very clear he wants a larger role in the offense. He basically said as much like, and put his name to it, which is not something you see every day from an NBA player. Mark, is that something you think he's capable of on, like, on a new team? Is that something that you think he's, he's, uh, he's able to do in, in a better situation? Yeah, um, that's, a great, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. It's tough because, like, he's having his best offensive season he's ever had right now. Um, and a lot of that is coming from being a more periphery player and, um, you know, kind of factoring in more as a, as a wing in some ways and, you know, really being active and crashing the glass and trying to seal his man. And uh, you can definitely bring up points about how the Pacers have not been great at finding him in spots. But I would argue this is maybe how he's best utilized. Like, I think in some ways you could say that, he could maybe get a few more touches as a role man or just in general if, you know, if he and Domas weren't playing together. But oddly enough, like, I think Domas is kind of a good fit for him in some ways. Uh, obviously, you know, defensively it becomes a different question when looking at, at both of them. But in terms of fully answering the question, um, it gets interesting with Cade Cunningham too and how you want to look at it because obviously Cade has been a, a lot better as a finisher lately than, than when he started the year. 
Um, but in terms of like getting somebody who's actually a really good role man with Cade, I don't think Miles is that guy. Um, like, not that Miles is a bad roller, but in terms of guys who, in looking at screening and the way that you create separation for somebody else, especially for somebody like Cade, who's not like, like he creates space, but it, it's a little bit harder for him. You know, you, he, getting extra pop from a screen would be awesome for him. Um, Miles is good at setting and popping and, and getting a solid screen from there. But if he's really going to factor in as somebody who's diving to the rim, it's more as, okay, slipping his screens, uh, ghosting them, or just, you know, setting a pretty pretty not solid screen because he needs a little bit more of a runway. He's not super um, explosive coming out of a set position. Like, he needs a little bit of an extra acceleration. So um, that's stuff that you see routinely this year that's been kind of awkward and a little bit clunky. Like, you know, he'll set a screen, but it doesn't really get the separation for the ball handler, so that can be an issue for – you know, especially for a team like Indiana that doesn't have ball handlers who really can create separation by themselves. Um, I think you could also look at it in terms of like, okay, well, if he's playing alongside Cade, maybe you can do what the front office did in viewing Kelly Olenek as being like an elite pick and pop threat. And I do see that with Miles, but it seems like he really wants to get down towards the rim more. Um, I also think, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I, I, I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Um, in terms of actually like having a bigger role, like I do think like he probably does want a bigger role. Like, I mean, he said as much, but I think a lot of it is just about being more appreciated um, by the franchise because as much as I'm sure some people would like to, you know, fight back on, I don't think miles has been the most uh, appreciated by Indiana in, in all honesty. Like, you know, every time they talk about him and Domas playing together, it's never about, you know, them being a formidable pair. And even if they don't think that, you know, I think you have to portray that, in, in an open way. Um, like same thing as like how Kevin Pritchard just ba- basically said there isn't a star on the team. And it, even in regards to Domas and like, even if you don't think he's a guy you can build a contender around, which I would, I would argue for that. Yeah. You can't really build a title contender around Demonis Salonis, but like as an all-star, you can't just come out in the meeting and be like, yeah, we don't have a star player here. Um, so in that way with miles, like I think it's more about just getting recognition for what he does. And um it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's hard to there, – there's a lot of ways to parse through it. Ultimately, I do think he is somebody who would who would benefit the Pistons. It just kind of depends what you're giving up. Yeah. Ben, what are you what, – what level of interest do you have in like a Miles Turner in another guy who is not necessarily uh, a, a huge dive threat but would bring a spacing element that the team focused on a lot in the offseason and is also like a real true impact player defensively? Well, certainly interested. I think the thing that's a little bit, um, a little bit disconcerting, and maybe disconcerting isn't the right word, but I guess the thing that quad would cause me a little bit of hesitation is the lack of the lob threat, uh, and not just lobs, but diving. I think, as you probably said it better, just putting it that way. Um, you know, we've seen Kelly Olynyk at least in a limited amount of time pre-injury, and we've seen what his ability to space the floor can do, although. He did play much more with the second unit, which meant he wasn't really playing with Cade and Killian very much at all. Um, but, you know, Miles My- Turner certainly would bring something to the interior defense, and obviously the Pistons have been exposed a number of times um, defensively on the interior and defensive rebounding in particular. They might even defend well for a few possessions, but 
they just can't secure the the defensive rebound and all that hard work is for nothing. So I'm certainly interested. I think, you know, his current contract is certainly reasonable. I don't know what he thinks he's worth. Um, but, you know, g- given the fact that he doesn't really give them a dive and lob threat, you know, like I don't I don't want to go all in on him, you know, like but at the same time, he's still relatively young. Um, he he's not a great three-point shooter Laz, but he's good enough. Mm-hmm. And the space is almost as important as the the three three-point shots he might shoot a game or maybe four or whatever. So I'm certainly interested. Um, I will be curious to see how the conversation shifts a little bit to see, you know, what could the Pistons offer, right? Um, you know, the Pistons are kind of in a similar scenario in that they want to keep young guys and hoard draft picks. And I think that's probably kind of uh, where Indiana is thinking a little bit if they're going to rebuild this thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested, Laz, definitely, but a, a little worried that there might not be a trade to be made. Yeah, what what would Indiana be interested in, Mark? Well, one thing I would want to hit on, too, um, I would have totally agreed on Miles as a shooter last year. I don't, I don't think I view him as a guy who's going to shoot 40% uh throughout the rest of his year like that i mean he's right at i think 39.8 right now but um just in terms of willingness and how much he is shooting like he's taking things that he would have passed up um, i mean but, uh, until this year pretty much and that's been really nice to see so i do think like this is the first year that we've really seen him be a stretch five like he's always been a uh i don't want to just say fake shooters that seems harsh but like he's always been somebody who could shoot threes that but didn't necessarily get guarded like it this has been the first year where he really starts to get guarded like that. He's taking some stuff off movement a little bit. He's taking some stuff off one or two dribbles, which it's not like, you know, you're not going to see that every game. But I do think he has grown more into actually being a floor spacer. Um, and especially just with like the, the urgency is the wrong word too. But like just in terms of the uh, like the quickness that he's making decisions to, to either go to the rim or to uh, to to take to take shots uh, from the perimeter as well. Um in terms of what they're looking for, that's where it's so dicey, man. Because based on everything that's come out, like it's been branded as a rebuild, but they really want to retool. Um, so more like they want to be good to like. It, I, I don't really know what to take from everything. A lot of times, I've just gotten to the point where press conferences are kind of bullshit, anyways. Uh, I'm sorry, I did not ask if I could swear in your pod, but um, that's that's basically how it feels right now. Like, uh, I mean, you see all things are completely set a different way than what's actually reported. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's fake news, but it's more just like um, I, I tend to believe a lot more in, in what's being reported than, than the PR statements they could put out. Um, and just, I, I, I know that went off the trails a little bit, but just in terms of talking about what they want to do, like they've talked about wanting to be competitive this year still and try and win with this group. I really think, you know, based on everything that's been said, it seems like they want to be, you know, hitting their window in the next year or two. So they're kind of eschewing this year. Um, so then it just kind of raises questions like, okay, well, what are you trading for then? Um, which is, I don't know if you're going to ask me about Domas, but like when you're looking at it like that, okay, well, why am I trading somebody who's 25 years old that's already an all-star for for picks back? Like, what is that helping me for in a year or two? Um, so I don't know. Like, I think the idea is they want somebody who's a young player that they think can contribute or maybe has more value to them in this uh, this coming year. And just like, for example, um, Joe Varden wrote a piece today about the Cavs uh, and, and Pacers talking uh, about, you know, like they hadn't brought up Colin Sexton yet, just that that the Pacers had interest in him. I know everybody has different views on him, but in terms of like, okay, this guy is 
somebody who's maybe getting cast out a little bit in Cleveland now that that they've found different things that stick and he's going to be out for the season. Like maybe that's a guy who they find more value in than than what he's going to end up getting, you know, on the open market. So, um, I mean, with what that comes down to with Detroit, like maybe I, I mean, I wouldn't trade Jeremy Grant for Miles Turner if I'm being honest. Um, I, I don't know if you guys feel similarly, but uh, like that's kind of what you're looking at. Like, okay, are you trading somebody who's in their mid twenties that's already on contract? Um, like, I don't know if I would trade any of the Pistons' young players necessarily. Like, I like Sadiq a lot. I know that he struggled, but I don't think I would be willing to include him in a trade for for Miles, especially with where the team's at right now. I don't I don't know where you guys are at with that, but that's just kind of coming in what, what I was thinking about. No, yeah, Jer- Jeremy Grant is definitely the name that came to mind first just because prior to the injury, obviously, which we're going to talk about, he was the, the Pistons' best, like, trade asset. But it also seemed uh, like a trade involving Jeremy Grant for Miles Turner would be, like, a little bit of overkill. Like it seems like you get something slightly more valuable than like in a vacuum Miles Turner for uh, if you're including uh, Jeremy Grant. Um, Sadiq Bay was the name that like came to mind because he's had um, because he struggled so much this year, and um, because I still think he even if he uh, just gets back to doing what he was doing last year, I think that could be something the Pacers like would be interested in. Oh, like definitely. that that was that was my like train of thought. But like yeah, the the question of like whether or not you want to include Sadiq even after he's struggling is a is a tight one. You know, you know, Ben, we've we've been pretty frustrated with Ben. Or sorry, we've been pretty frustrated with Sadiq. <laughs> what did Ben do? <laughs> Ben's been great. Sadiq has not. So Ben, yeah, like, w- would rough. you be willing to let go of Sadiq in a Miles Turner trade? Yes, absolutely. I, I would not. I mean, I I like Sadiq Bay. Um, I hope he finds his level. Right, like. I'm kind of thinking his level is somewhere between was he where he was as a rookie, as a, a stretch three and D sort of guy, and this year, which is you know struggling to figure out how much of his own offense he can create himself. Um, I think he's somewhere in the middle of that, so like maybe a three and D plus kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I like Sadiq, it a, a guy like Miles Turner, I I don't know I. I feel like getting a big man, the Pistons have not had a big man that they've really loved. You know, even when Van Gundy loved Andre Drummond, the fan base didn't, right? I mean, when was the last time the Pistons had a big man that the fan base really celebrated? Like, we're going back to, like, what, 2008, something like that, 2009, 2010? I mean, it's been a long time. So, I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't hesitate to include Bay in the discussions, Um I'm not saying I would immediately do it, but I wouldn't hesitate to be um, including Seek Bay. I mean, from my perspective, as bad as the Pistons were a season ago, even though there was some intentional tanking happening, as bad as they are right now, same caveat about tanking. The only guy to me who I would say, yeah, I don't I don't want to even consider that is Cade Cunningham. Everyone else, though, for me, fair game. No, I think that's fair, and I think that's the right attitude to have at this stage in a rebuild. But Ben, you're, you're forgetting about Isaiah Stewart. Fans love Isaiah Stewart, don't they? They do love Isaiah Stewart. I I could say that that's true. Yeah, I think yeah. fans love Isaiah Stewart. Uh, Mark, what do you think about a, an Isaiah Stewart-Miles Turner pairing? Like, what, what do you think about that looking like? Is that, is that too much like what we're already seeing with the, with the Domas and, and Turner pairing? I know Isaiah Stewart is a much uh, different player, especially offensively than Domas. But well, like, it's, it's still like a too big lineup, right? It's so tough for me because last year, 
Um, like I felt, and not again, like not even that I feel bad about Isaiah this year. Um, I don't really ascribe to the Isaiah's regressed lines. I think they've just asked for him to do different things and it's played out in ways that I haven't liked as much. Um, like I think he was a much better roller last year, especially towards the end of the year. We haven't seen that nearly as much this year. And I do think part of that is trying to figure out how Cade works out his pacing in the half court and also how congested has been just with, like you mentioned with Sadiq doing uh, a lot. Um, it's been a lot of Sadiq, a lot of Jeremy Grant, like, um, like they quite literally are the Pistons because you can feel the grinds, like the, the, the gear is grinding uh, as the offense flows. Like the only time it really feels like there's a lot of movement or motion is when Cade has the ball or maybe if Killian does make a drive inside and, and or do something connective, like, um, that's where I look at it, and it 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 does give me pause with pairing Miles and Isaiah together. Like Miles has gotten a lot better as a decision maker. Um, he's been able to do some short roll stuff this year, but that's really not his forte. His passes aren't super accurate. He is a good ball handler for his size, though. Um, so like I mean, you see that in him attacking closeouts and um, and you know just doing some things off the dribble. So I I do think that's where I would have some questions because then like okay well if let's say Sadiq is your third guy like if like if Sadiq's not traded in that that is a very rough playmaking front court if you have Sadiq Isaiah Stewart and um and Miles like I I just don't really know where some of the stuff's coming from I don't know like I mean you're asking a lot out of okay can Isaiah become a much better DHO operator because right now like he's a good screener because he's super I mean he's thicker than an oak tree but like in terms of like learning the nuances of, okay, can you really, do you know how to uh, take the exact angle and, and hit on a rescreen so that you get Cade the most, most space possible before he snakes a pick and roll. Like there's like learning all those nuances because miles doesn't have that right now. Like he does have some ability as a DHO guy, but it's not nearly the same as like, as even like talking about something like Kelly Olytic. So I do think, um, well, it's definitely different from Domas and and Miles. Like, I think there's a little bit more utility in terms of how they could look defensively. Because uh, I've still been really excited about what Isaiah can do defensively. Um, I, I think there are even more questions offensively with that, unless Isaiah just starts shooting like four or five threes a game or something. But that's clearly is not something that's on the trajectory for a while. Still, it seems like. Yeah, if if Isaiah Stewart were shooting like four or five threes a game, like we wouldn't even be having this discussion because yeah. it'd be. You know, that would be the package that we're looking for from like a Miles Turner is the rim protection plus three point shooting, um, which is like currently what we're not getting from uh, from Isaiah Stewart, at least the uh, the offensive side of the ball. The rim protection is, is still is still pretty good. All right. I wanted to shift a little bit away from Miles Turner, but stay on the theme of the Pacers. Ben, your old friend, Karis LeVert, is also on the list. Pistons have expressed a interest in Karis LeVert, but I believe that was one uh, that was one front office ago. And so uh, I don't know if interest still exists between uh, the Pistons and Karis LeVert. Ben, would you be willing to let go of Sadiq for like a Karis LeVert type? This is a lot harder because of his injury history. And Mark, just so you know, I'm a big Michigan fan. Okay, um, that makes sense. His, his team that made that Cinderella run with, with Trey Burke and those other guys in Hardaway Jr., et cetera. Um, Karis was the guy who just shocked me um, coming out of college. I did not, I didn't see in his college game what he's turned into in the NBA when he's been healthy. So, you know, on that front, sentimentally, yeah, absolutely. I would be interested in Karis LeVert, but pragmatically, like if I were getting paid to, to make decisions for the Pistons, I would be super cautious. Um, and I would really need to have um, 
a lot of assurance that some of those previous injuries are behind him because when you look at his career games played minutes played um unfortunately it's just not a pretty story so um that one i'd I'd have a lot less interested in um i would be surprised if there are not a lot of gms kind of thinking along the same lines that's fair i i wonder about karis only because i feel like a a backcourt of him and Cade is interesting offensively in a way that a backcourt of Cade and Killian like hasn't been so far and maybe like won't be in the future. And so like that's that's one thing to consider. But at the same time, the I guess I should ask Mark this. The 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 pairing of like Karis Levert and Malcolm Brogdon hasn't exactly like worked spectacularly either. And so like what would do you what do you think about that that pairing of Cade and Karis Levert, Mark? Ah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I it, it's actually kind of funny because I've said this multiple times this year, uh, at least this year, and even part of last year. I've had more questions about how Karis and Malcolm fit together than Domas and Miles. Like honestly, I think Domas and Miles have been fine together. A lot of it's been on on Rick Carlisle, in my opinion, and how he's handled um, playing them together in in the ways that they've looked. I mean, Karis and Malcolm has felt just so my turn, your turn, and it's just been odd with Karis because while well, injuries have definitely played a part too. Um, and I don't know how much to take from that as as what's impacting his game. But even when he's on the court and he has it going, uh, he's just had a real tunnel vision that he didn't have to, to at least to this extent last year. Like he um, I mean, there was a stretch towards the end of last year where I think Vincent Goodwill uh, of Yahoo Sports wrote an article about how the Pacers were fielding calls on, on Brogdon and Sabonis because they were interested in, you know, like uh, building around Karis LeVert and having them be having him be their lead ball handler of the future. And that was something I, I wasn't really sure of at the time, but I think there was like, you know, there was enough happening on court. that was like, Oh, Hey, maybe. Um, and that hasn't played out this year. Like there are times where he'll, he'll have an empty side pick and roll and you could have, I mean, freaking like George Marison uh, rolling down against Muggsy Bogues and he, he wouldn't, he still wouldn't hit the roller. Like it's been, <laughs> it's been that level of like, what are you seeing on the court? Um, and it's been awkward, too, with screening. Like, I never used to feel this way about him, but he's gone to – like, he's, he, he like, just totally flubs some of his screens. Uh, like, he'll get a perfectly set screen, but then deny it at the last second, or um, he'll just kind of freelance on it. I, I don't know what to make out of it, especially with, you know, it seems like there's a lot of stuff in the background, too, that I'm probably not privy to. Uh, so I don't know. But in terms of, like, how his fit could be alongside Cade, like, I guess – if you're thinking about playing them together for stretches and then staggering them mostly. So one of them runs the bench. I think I could see that, but in terms of, you know, Cade um, starting to factor in more and working as a primary, it would be hard to see with Karras because he's, I don't think, I think maybe other than one season of his career, Karras has shot even league average as a catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, Like all, like, he makes his money as an off the dribble three shooter. And he's not even like, he's pretty average as an off the dribble three shooter. He's very streaky from there. Um, so he just has an awkward fit if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And like, I do think that there are better ways to try and uh, use him. Like, okay, bring him off more second side actions or try and, you know, find ways to get him the ball on the move, but also I, not to be unfair, but I don't know if we've seen that from Dwayne Casey um, recently, like, and part of that's the roster too. So, but I just, 
you know, he, he's not an easy player to, to fit around in some ways because you do have to really factor in him having a higher usage and having the ball a lot. But when he is really clicking and things are going, it's awesome. Um, when it's not, it's a different story because defensively there's a, a lot to, a lot to be desired in, in how uh, Karras plays defense. I think that's fair. Uh, you, you brought up Dwayne Casey, Mark, and his uh, perhaps lack of offensive uh, ingenuity. Uh, this is something I did actually want to talk to you about because uh, the Pistons are currently mired in an, in an 11 game losing streak. And a lot of blame has kind of fallen at the feet of Dwayne Casey. Uh, or a lot of responsibility for that losing streak has fallen at the feet of Dwayne Casey. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about coaching continuity and the value of it uh, versus like a shifting roster. Uh uh, compared to the the instability the Pacers have been through with their coaches over the last three years, three head coaches in three years, um, you know what what what's the value of like having a a good coach in place? And is Dwayne Casey that coach? Yeah, and I don't even mean to say that Dwayne's a bad coach. Like I think Dwayne's a good coach, probably better than he gets credit for. But I just don't know if he's the guy for this team. You know, like uh, and maybe that's unfair. Like I, I haven't seen every single Pistons game, but. In terms of trying to find ways to like, I mean, uh, his job this year has been trying to get guys the ball in their best spots possible to work on things. But okay, like I mean, exactly like Sadiq is shooting thirty five percent from the field. I can try and get him the right touch as often as possible. But if he's not going to hit shots, he's not going to hit shots. Like, and part of that is like the the Pistons do want to see him try and expand his game. So how are you supposed to craft a great offense in that way? In some ways, I, I get I get looking at it like that, but also. I haven't like always loved some of his rotational stuff. Like there was obviously the weirdness with Hamadou earlier this year. Obviously that's kind of gone by the wayside now and in terms of good, like he's back in and things have been working out, but um, like so often it just kind of feels like, all right, well let's just play spread pick and roll completely five out and see what happens. It just feels very vanilla and there's not a, a ton of creativity there. But again, like it's tough because you have so many guys who at their position just aren't great playmakers. Um, so I, I, I don't know, and I, I can't like completely in, indict Dwayne for that, but I do think they could work on being a lot more inventive. Um, in terms of like looking at, at having coaching continuity, it's a great point too, because I feel like that's something that the team has almost lacked this year in Indiana, which is kind of wild to say when you're thinking about Rick Carlisle. But um, I think as much as they've maybe been a little bit better together in the locker room and just, you know, in terms of, being teammates this year than last year and that's not much of a step up considering how last year was but uh like it feels like they're playing a different kind of style and game playing game to game uh and trying to adapt to their opponents instead of you know let uh you know play their game and 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 i think part of that comes onto the roster and and how they the the front office and coaching staff feels about the roster and where they're at with them that's clearly why all these reports are coming out now in some ways it feels like it came from the front office uh, you know, maybe to put pressure on trying to make make some changes. Um, so I think it's more about like, okay, well, is your is your front office and coaching staff in sync? I know I'm going off on another tangent here, but like, I think a lot of it does come come down to that because if your front office is cool with Dwayne and says, okay, you know, like we really want to see these guys get get reps in better ways. Okay, do you start finding ways to make that happen? I don't know. Um, I know that does not fully answer your question, but. Uh, 
there's a lot that goes into it that I'm not sure entirely what to make of because especially with the Pacers, I mean, uh, like it, it's almost funny that more ironic that, that what they've lacked since letting go of Nate McMillan is that continuity. I think they always banked on having continuity and being able to play in a similar way, but then ever since they let Nate go, um, obviously that's changed a ton. And I think when you're a team that doesn't have uh, quote unquote star guys, uh, it's a lot harder when you're trying to, to, to shift thing, to shift things so frequently. So um, yeah, I, I do think there's importance in having coaching uh, consistency for sure. No, that's, that's totally fair. I know that, I know that there is communication and there is uh, uh, we have evidence that the front office and the coaching staff are on the same page mm-hmm. vis-a-vis like the extension that Dwayne Casey signed like prior yeah. to this season. Right. So we know that the front office is happy with the job that Dwayne Casey is doing, or I guess was doing in the past and is equipped uh, and they're equipping him, you know, with the extra year to continue doing the job the way he sees fit in the future. But Ben, you know, how, you know, where are you at with Dwayne? How much, how much of this uh, current spate of play do you feel like you can lay at his feet? This is such a complicated and multi-layered question, isn't it? Um, You know, I think if you took the best NBA coach that we currently have in the league and, you know, they're whoever that is, I don't think you would see a dramatic difference in outcomes um, between what the Pistons have and what they might have with the best NBA coach in the league, to be perfectly honest with you. I think this team is bad. Um, they've obviously had some key injuries. Kelly Olenek leaving hurt the second. I mean, just it completely tanked the second unit, which at times was significantly better offensively than the starting unit, right? Um, I think the, the questions would be player development, um, and the two guys I would look at in particular are Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart, I think, is more talented offensively than what his role is. And I don't, not dramatically so, but I, I think he should be almost mandated to take a couple jump shots a game, and we don't see that. Definitely. Right? Um, I think, I don't know what they're doing with Sadiq Bay right now, but my concern about Sadiq Bay is habits are hard to break. And if he plays like this for an entire season, um, you know, he's going to develop some instincts that might be um, self-sabotaging, I think, because he's, he's doing a lot with the ball in his hands that he just very clearly does not have the talent to do yet. Right. Not talent, the skill uh, sharpened and developed to do yet. So you know, those two things I think I would be pretty harsh on Dwayne Casey about. But having said that, and I share critiques of rotation. I've said that multiple times. I don't get his rotations, and I've just resigned myself to that fact. Um, but, like, if you're focusing at it from, like, a wins and losses perspective, man, I don't know. Who are you going to hire that's going to make the Pistons a 10-win team right now? I don't I don't know if that guy exists. So, I mean, yeah, I get frustrated with Coach Casey sometimes, but um, I believe him as a human being. Laz, you've brought this up multiple times, and I think you're right. The Pistons have had zero drama, even on an 11-game losing streak. Like, there's no internal strife that we hear about. Um, So, you know, I don't see any reason to move on from him. I don't see what the benefit would be. Um, I think it makes sense to to stick it out. 
hopefully he gets a roster that's a, a little better a year from now, right? Um, because obviously, you know, we did see some good things from him prior to the team blowing it up. Uh, and I certainly would not want to evaluate Dwayne Casey's coaching chops based on last year and this year alone. That just would not be fair to him. There's just too many things that have happened that have absolutely nothing to do with his purview. And they've been much more significant in terms of impacts on wins and losses than than any of his coaching schemes. So yeah, I, I can find some gripes, but I, I don't see I don't see much benefit to, to firing him and moving in another direction right now. I just I don't see that happening. And I don't think that much good would happen if it were to happen. Yeah, I I think Ben, your point about uh essentially like the ghost of Red Auerbach would be unable to make this team like a, a 500 team <laughs> right. is the most important one, right? I I do agree that I am not pleased with the current development arc of most of their second year guys. Um, that, in, that includes Saban Lee, right? Who looks like very clearly too good for the G League, but also when he gets up to play with the big club, like just doesn't have like that same uh, that same sense of confidence and that same uh, ability to pull the trigger. Like I, I think that there's there's something to that as well. But at the same time, like the like, you're not going to win uh, many more games with like Jerome Allen or like Rex Kalamian uh, like coaching this team in in Dwayne Casey's stead because. You're, you're not hiring somebody, you know, off another NBA team's bench, like middle of the season. Like Chris Finch is, is a very rare occurrence um, in, in like terms of uh, coaches taking over for uh, other teams midseason. And so like it, it, it just it's frustrating. And I think part of it is definitely that, you know, Dwayne Casey's been here for four years now um, or like this is his fourth year. Uh, people are still not. Uh, comfortable with like his his ticks and quirks you know ben's frustration with the rotation you know my frustration with like their inability to run a transition fast break to save their lives but like that we we knew kind of what Dwayne casey was coming in and it's hard for me to fault him for continuing to be the guy that he is it's just you know when uh when you're in the midst of a losing streak this long everything gets scrutinized and over scrutinized and like triply scrutinized to the point where, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's as useful or, or as productive as, uh, you know, focusing on, on solutions rather than like in problems. It, the, the entire dialogue around Dwayne Casey, this like the last couple of weeks reminds me like far too much of the dialogue we heard coming out of Houston uh, around Steven Silas during their 15 game losing streak. And like, you know, you win some more games and like people don't want to fire the coach anymore. Right. Like that's just kind of how it is. Um, I don't know when the Pistons are going to win some more games. Presumably sometime this season they will. Uh, but like when that happens, I think people will let up slightly on uh, on Dwayne Casey for sure. Well, and so one of the interesting things about Jeremy going down is that my perspective. Okay. He Thank and... you for transitioning me, Ben, because that's exactly <laughs> where I was going next. Like he he and Cade have not have not been a great pairing so far. Um, so the silver lining is that I think Cade, I think because he's been playing better lately, the timing of this, if there is a silver lining to this injury, is that it seems perfectly timed for Cade to emerge a little bit. Um, so if and when they win their next game, it'll be because I think Cade played big and a couple other guys started to make some shots, which has just been the thing that, 
I, I can't explain. I don't think coaching explains it. They just haven't been able to put the ball in the basket, which there are lots of guys on this roster who are better shooters than what we've seen this year. No, I think that's that's fair. So I want to I'm going to do this to Mark first, even though I know Mark, you're probably like a little bit less equipped for this question than Ben is. Uh, but what what kind of rotation things do you think we're going to see with the Pistons with the news that like Jeremy Grant's going to be out for at least the next six weeks with a sprained UCL in his thumb? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. Um, Tiny like, hint. The Pistons called up Isaiah Livers and Jamarco Pickett from the cruise today. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's where it gets interesting because, like, who are you, who are you putting in the starting lineup? Like, I, I mean, I do not think Josh Jackson is somebody who I necessarily want to inject into the starting lineup. Like, clearly he's been better as a backup ball handler and, and somebody who can create their own shot to obviously varying degrees off the bench. And I think you can say the same thing about Hamadou. Um, so, I mean, maybe you are putting Jamarco or Isaiah and probably not, but that's, you know, when I look at it, I think it's tough to be like, okay, well, let's just put all of our guys who are getting their own shot in the starting lineup. Or maybe you, you move Killian up to, to playing the two guard and Corey Joseph plays. Like I, that seems like something more like Dwayne would do based on, on things or, or you add in Frank Jackson to get more of that floor space because he shot the ball better of a late. Um, I don't know. It gets really interesting with it because they're like, it's just such a funky roster right now in terms of what it actually looks like in, in playing basketball at the minute. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird roster. Ben, what, what kind of rotation stuff do you expect? Ugh. Um, <laughs> Honestly, man, if it were me, I would probably move Hami into the starting lineup because I have mm. wanted to see he, Cade, and Killian play together because they're the three guys who want to run, <laughs> and I would I would try that. Uh, they don't have a good option, right? I mean, there is not going to be a good answer to this. I hope it's not Trey Lyles. I was going to say I you mean, don't want you don't want to see Trey Lyles check out of every oh, corner man. three into an eighteen footer. <laughs> oh man, I hope it's not Trey Lyles. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Isaiah Livers and Pickett get some burn, too. Um, I don't think either of those guys should start, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I would move Hami in. Um, he and Sadiq can probably gang rebound enough defensively to make it interesting. Um, and I think Hami gives you a little bit of slashing, right? So he gives you some offense to help offset what you're losing with Jeremy. But it, it's not going to be pretty, man. It's not going to be pretty. So we are 27, 17. I can't count. We're like, you know, we're uh, close enough to the start of the Brooklyn game that we do have the starting lineup revealed. And ding, 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 Ben wins. It's Hamadou Diallo instead. Oh, I swear I didn't cheat. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I too will be curious to see how, uh, if the team is able to play at a faster pace with Diallo. I think that, uh, like, Dwayne Casey has lauded the energy he's able to inject into the bench lineup like over the last couple of weeks. And that's why Hamadou's like played down the stretch of games like against Washington because he's able to, uh, because of the energy he brings. Um, I'll be curious to see if that translates to the starting lineup. Uh, I, I hope it does, obviously, but that's just something I'll be curious about. All right, Ben, uh, the Pistons face the Brooklyn Nets tonight. They uh, play the Chicago Bulls on Tuesday, maybe. The Chicago Bulls are currently uh, <laughs> ravaged by COVID. And so, yeah. you know, the, the, 
who knows if that game happens or not. Uh, they play the Pacers. Oh, hey, they play the Pacers on Thursday. No, no, uh, no surprise there. We brought on Mark. And uh, they have a home game against Houston on Saturday and another home game on the back to get back against Miami on Sunday. Ben, that's a, that's a lot of games, man. That's a lot of games. Bad timing. Houston, maybe. Do we have a winner or do we have a problem? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we're 10 minutes away from tip off, so we don't have long to talk about it. It's going to be an ugly week, I'm afraid. Um, but again, the upside is there will be no doubt whose offense the first unit is, right? We'll get to see Cade, I think, calling every single shot. That should be interesting, if nothing else. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel good about our chances to win, but, um, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to look at livers a little bit, which as a Michigan fan, again, I'm excited to see. Um, and, and maybe we'll get some of that creativity and inventiveness that Mark was talking about at Dwayne Casey. Now that essentially he's forced to do that, right? He has to change things up. So maybe we'll, uh, at least something have, at least have something interesting to talk about when we reconvene a week from now. I, I certainly hope so. Mark, the, the Pacers, have the Pacers lost since the report came out? Uh, in true fashion of the Indiana Pacers, no, they have not lost the support. <laughs> and they actually have the second longest winning streak in the NBA right now. Nice. So, do, you, um, do you think they carry that into Thursday's matchup between our two no. squads? They play Golden State tomorrow <laughs> night. So it's, oh, okay, yeah. That'll and even it. with Steph not playing, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, well, well, hey, look at it this way. He can't break the record against you guys. Well, that's that's great. Well, okay, well, let's put it like this: they play they play Golden State, and they play Milwaukee uh, before they play Detroit on a back to back. So uh, you guys are are amped to uh, to probably get absolutely housed in a game. But again, knowing this team, they'll probably come out flat and lose to Detroit. So I'm very out on this team this year. Uh, to to be completely honest, I'm just ready for them to make trades, and I'm already uh, yeah, it's been that kind of year. Ha- hasn't it truly tell me it? about it <laughs> yeah yeah so th- if that don't sound familiar mark thank you so much for coming with us on this podcast we truly appreciate it uh let the people know where they can find you where they can find what you're what you've been working on this season i know you've been working in like a bunch of different places so just like list them out real quick yeah well i appreciate you guys having me on this was fun it's good to talk pistons i always enjoy watching the team and i'm psyched to watch them tonight um you can find me on twitter at m schindler nba I just joined a couple of weeks ago over at Basketball News, so I'm doing all things NBA there with some college basketball mixed in. Um, I host a couple of podcasts that they, you know. Just follow me on Twitter; you'll you'll see stuff there. Uh, I'm pretty active as Laz knows, so yeah, I appreciate it, guys. No, again, th- thanks for coming on, uh, Ben. Let the people know where they can find you and chat about our uh, mutual disdain for this Pistons team so far this year. <laughs> yeah, Mark, appreciation from me as well. Thanks for joining us. At uh, yeah, VR on Twitter. Um, I was not super active this week, and the one time I was, I think I made people mad. So <laughs> I might, I might just avoid the Twitter if it's as ugly as I'm afraid it's going to be. Yeah, I. He's like, I, I am able to live tweet the games less often because of uh, because of chance. And so like that, that isn't as fun. But also it was nice because uh, at the end of the Washington game, I was like 15 minutes behind and everybody was furious. And I was like, I, I don't have any fury in me. Like, I, I don't know what you guys are so mad about. But yeah, you can uh, listen to me not live tweet the games on Twitter at last chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, Thank you all for listening uh, to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you next week. See you.